Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Another week of Believe in Ohio State. Hey there, everybody. I'm Dylan Tyre here with you, hoping you had an excellent past week since the last time I talked to you. In case you're just joining me for the first time, last week we talked to uh, Wyatt Crozier. He's a writer, a beat writer that covers Ohio State football for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. What we discussed last week, just kind of setting a baseline for Ohio State, getting a, getting a sense of where the Buckeyes are heading into the 2020 football season. We talked recruiting. We talked about players to watch heading into 2020. And we also talked about whether or not the 2020 college football season is going to happen. As of right now, we still don't know that it's going to happen, but we're going to pretend that we know it is right now. That's all we can do because I want to prepare you for the season. I want to prepare... I want to prepare myself, excuse me, wish I could talk today. I want to prepare myself for the upcoming college football season. But it is in question right now, especially with what's going on in Major League Baseball. If you hadn't heard, the Miami Marlins had a number of players, over 12, I believe, as it stands right now, test positive for COVID-19. They also had a couple of coaches test positive. So that's not good, and it's not good because football, whether it's the NFL or college football, they're not planning on being in a bubble like the NBA or the NHL is right now. And the NBA and NHL aren't having anybody test positive because they are in that bubble. But Major League Baseball is is traveling around. They're living as they normally would for the most part. They're traveling, traveling around playing games. No fans in attendance uh, for obvious reasons, but they are traveling. They are uh, mingling in the locker room, doing all that sort of stuff. And that's the plan for college football and the NFL as well. They're not planning to bubble off in any way. So we have to keep our eyes on the situation in Major League Baseball because what happens there might have a hand in what happens with the NFL or with college football. So keep your eyes on that situation. But like I said... We're going to imagine and we're going to to assume that the 2020 college football season 
is happening. And with that in mind, we got to go around the Oval right now, like we did last week, like we will every week. News and notes about the Ohio State Buckeyes, both on campus and in the National Football League right now. And in case you weren't with me last week when I described what the Oval is, if you're not an Ohio State graduate, if you've never been to the university, if you've never been to Columbus, the Oval is the central hub of campus. It's where a bunch of the university's major buildings are uh, are all together, where those buildings meet. The library, the main library at Ohio State is off of the Oval. It's a big grass space shaped like an oval, obviously. And a bunch of students like to lay out there when it's sunny. It's a, a major walking area for campus. So right now we're going to go around the Oval, bring you the latest news and notes on the Ohio State football team. And where we're going to start off is in the National Football League because three Ohio State Buckeyes, three former Ohio State Buckeyes, I should say, all sign their rookie NFL contracts. First and foremost, the second overall pick, Chase Young, signed with the Washington football team, no longer the Redskins, remember. So Chase Young inks his NFL deal set to play this season with the Washington football team. And Ohio State cornerback, former Ohio State cornerback Damon Arnett, also a first-round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders, no longer the Oakland Raiders in Vegas now. So Damon Arnett signed his rookie deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. And a former Ohio State Buckeye, you probably remember him a little bit better as a, as a LSU Tiger, a Bayou Bengal. He won the Heisman there, won the national championship there. Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick, signed his rookie deal down south with the Cincinnati Bengals, so not far away from Columbus. Joe Burrow staying at home, playing with Cincinnati. He will begin his National Football League career with the Bengals after signing his rookie deal there. So all three of those guys signing their first NFL contracts. Congratulations to them. Is that will do it for Buckeyes in the NFL this week. Right now we're going to go on campus at Ohio State. A little bit of football news this past week as Ohio State started its second phase of summer activities. And what that means is that that second phase is a 14-day period that allows 20 hours of activities per week, no more than four hours per day. What players can do right now, they can go to meetings, they can watch film with uh, their position groups, they can do walkthroughs with the football, but still no skill work yet, no pad work yet. All of that starts on August 7th, but this week, a good step for Ohio State because there was no delay. The Buckeyes were able to start that second phase of summer practice without any hiccups, so that's a good sign as we push closer and closer to the 2020 college football season. A little bit of scheduling news as well. The NCAA will reportedly allow teams to start playing games on August 29th. And that's significant because it's a week earlier than was previously scheduled. They're doing that to allow some scheduling flexibility. It remains to be seen whether or not it will affect the Ohio State football schedule. They might want to start earlier so they can keep things open later in the season. Who knows? We don't know yet, but all we do know is Ohio State could possibly start playing football earlier than we previously expected, which could also be a good sign. A little bit more about that. The Shoe, Ohio Stadium, the home of the Ohio State football team, announced yesterday that if college football does happen this season, if the Buckeyes do have a season, Ohio Stadium will be at 20% capacity. So think about that. The Shoe fits a little bit over 100,000 for every game. The biggest games, they have around 110, 115,000. They can get a couple extra bodies in there. But this season, it's going to be no more than 20% capacity, so about 20,000 people in the shoe every game. You think about that, 
it's still a lot of people, but in a stadium that large, it's next to nothing. I don't know what size or what sort of noise the crowd there is going to be able to make, and it depends whether or not it's going to be the students, whether or not it's going to be a, a, an alumni audience, a, a general public audience that's paying to get into the building. A lot of people right now, and you'll see this on Twitter if you're if you're really dialed in to Ohio State football, a lot of people on Twitter are saying that these tickets should go to the students. And that that's a nice thought. I'd like for the tickets to be able to go to the students. They do pay to go to the games, but it is a largely discounted price compared to what the general public pays. And for that reason, I, I just don't see it happening. As much as I'd like to see it happen, I don't see the university allowing students into these games. And for multiple reasons, who knows if uh, if students are going to be practicing social distancing, wearing masks. Obviously, guidelines will be in place, but you know college students, it's a little bit harder to enforce with, uh, with that audience. And there's the money aspect too, and I think that's the biggest thing. And you may you may say, you know, Ohio State is losing so much money with not having 100% capacity for every game this season. Why not just let the students in? It would be a better story. They'd have more fun. It would be really the true crowd that Ohio State football wants to have in the audience. But these tickets are going to be very, very expensive, I'd imagine. They're going to be the hottest ticket in town. 20,000 people inside in a 100,000-person stadium. So, I mean... Those tickets are going to go for a lot. and I don't know how they're going to sell them yet, but I'd imagine, you know, supply and demand. A lot of people are going to want to go. Not that many people can get into the stadium. The tickets are going to be expensive. The people that can afford it are going to be the ones that are watching the games from inside the shoe. I think that's going to be the way it goes. Ohio State wants to make as much money as possible off of these games, so they're going to sell the tickets for as much money as they possibly can. And if you're going to be one of those people that is fortunate enough to get into the stadium, you're going to hear the voice of today's interview subject, and that is Bob Kennedy. He's the public address announcer for Ohio State football. He's the voice of the shoe, the voice of Ohio Stadium. He's an extremely interesting guy. He's got quite the path, quite the story of how he became the Ohio State PA guy. He's coming up on his 18th season doing it for Ohio State at the Shoe, so 2020 will be year 18 for Bob Kennedy. He's watched a ton of Ohio State football. Born and raised in Columbus, Bob Kennedy went to his first Ohio State football game in 1971. He's going to tell us all about it. So without further ado, here he is, the voice of the Shoe, Bob Kennedy. We'll get to how you got into being a public address announcer in a little bit, but what I really want to know is how you got your start at Ohio State. Obviously, you do other sports at OSU outside of football. You know, I've worked with you at baseball before, uh, other stuff like that. But how did you get your start at Ohio State? Was it football first, some of that other stuff first? How did it all work out? It was uh, actually kind of by accident, really. Um, the uh, public address announcing assignments were initially handled out of uh, what was then known as sports information. And those uh, uh, departments were in uh, Old St. John Arena, on the uh, on the main uh, on the main um, on the main level. Then, when uh, the Schottenstein Center was built, uh, they created a position called Events Management, and those uh, duties were shifted over to uh, that department. So, uh, Tom McGinnis, who was working in the uh, department at the time, uh, called me in because I'd expressed some interest in just filling in here and there. I wasn't really interested in doing anything on a steady basis. So uh, Tom called me in one day. This was probably in July or August of uh, uh, 2000, if I remember correctly. 
and we sat and chat for about uh, 20 minutes to a half hour and said, uh, Tom said to me, I would like you to do uh, women's soccer and women's ice hockey. Uh, I says, okay, I got nothing going on. I've never done those sports before, but I says, I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly quick learner. I'm not, I'm not uh, afraid of uh, uh, trying something I've never done before. So that's, that's how that came about. Then uh, Lee Twarling, who was also in working in uh, events management at the time, uh, contacted me in the uh, spring of that same academic year, 2000-2001, and asked me if I wanted to pick up uh, baseball. And I said, well, absolutely, that'd be great, because Coach Todd had a, a, a nationally known program at that time. And I said, I would love to do it, but I don't want to do anything that is against uh, his best wishes. So you do me a favor. You get in contact with him. See if he, uh, he gives you his blessing. And if he does, then I'll jump on board. Well, Coach Todd did, and I jumped on board. And those were my first three sports that I picked up. Uh, then I got uh, men's soccer the following year, my second year at Ohio State, and then the third year came football. So what do you remember your first football game? Do you remember who it was against and what happened? I, I, I do, actually. It was, it was on a fill-in basis, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, Dave Parr had done the uh, public address announcing at Ohio State for many, many, many years, taking over for uh, Ron Althoff. And uh, Dave was, is of the, uh, the Jewish faith. And one of the, uh, the major Jewish holidays fell on a Saturday this particular year. And it was the day of the uh, Kent State game. So I filled in at the uh, Kent State game. And to say that it was uh, an experience uh, would be <laughs> drastically understating the cause. But at the same time, I had done it enough, uh, Dylan, to put it in perspective that it's, it's a football field. It's 100 yards long. You have two goalposts, you have two sidelines, you have two teams, one wearing dark uniforms, one wearing light uniforms, you have cheerleaders, you have bands, you have scoreboards, you have everything that you've done anywhere else, you just have ten times as many people watching the game and listening to you. That's the only difference, and that's how I approached it that day. And after I got done with that game, uh, and I believe that was the year that the Joshua Cribs played for Kent State, if I'm not mistaken, and it was also the same year that uh, Ohio State won the national championship. So this would have been 2002 season with uh, Coach Tress. Uh, the following spring, I uh, got uh, started getting uh, contacts from the uh, uh, athletic department, wanting me to. They were asking me, you know, various questions and everything, kind of uh, uh, dangling the uh, uh, the carrot in front of me, so to speak. And finally, they uh, let me eat the carrot and said, "We want you to." Uh, take over as uh, uh, announcer of Ohio State football on a regular basis on one condition. You do all of the games or you do, you do none of them at all, which I totally understood because I figured that my uh, people at uh, Otterbine, which is where I graduated from and where I've been doing public address for the past uh, 10 years or so uh, in advance, I would figure they would want the same privilege. So the... Uh, uh, my basketball coaches at Otterbein were the athletic directors. My men's basketball coach was athletic director. My women's basketball coach was uh, second in command. And as you probably know, Dylan, the basketball coaches uh, go to their convention, annual convention, during the Final Four, their respective Final Fours. Well, in, in this particular year, which would have been the spring of 2003, uh, the men's convention was in New Orleans. The women, I think, were in Atlanta that year. That year. And Coach Reynolds went to New Orleans, but Coach uh, Richardson did not. She didn't go to Atlanta. So I called her, and I says, you know, what, what do you want me to do? She says, it's not up to me. 
call Coach Reynolds. Here's his phone number. Tell him I gave it to you. I says, okay. So we talked. And uh, as it turned out, he was walking down Bourbon Street with some coaching buddies of his looking for a jazz club to go to for dinner that night. And uh, so uh, I talked with Coach, and he says, boy, why would I stand in your way? He says, if this is, leads to a more of a, uh, uh, not necessarily a permanent op- opportunity, but a steady opportunity for you, he said, you'd be a fool not to take it on one, on one condition. He says, when you're at Ohio State and you're supposed to be at Otterbein on the same day, you make sure that you've got someone in our press box doing our games while you're doing games at Ohio State. And that, uh, that uh, handshake uh, agreement was in, a, uh, in effect until Coach Reynolds retired. And the uh, duties were uh, put over in the uh, uh, Office of uh, Sports Information at Otterbein. And they, they now assign uh, the uh, announcers for our games at, uh, at uh, Otterbein. And I let them know what my availability is uh, from uh, season to season. So that's pretty much how that came to be. So you're coming up on, you're not quite there yet, but coming up on 20 years as the voice of the shoe, Ohio Stadium, and the voice of Ohio State Buckeyes when they're playing in Columbus. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, 18, it'll be 18 this coming season. All right, so first and foremost, congratulations on that because it's it's Thank really you. awesome just to, to be able to, you know, do what you do for a football program like Ohio State. But let's go way, way back now. And I know you got interested in announcing when you were very young. I think I've ho- heard you told, tell that story before, but uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell it to me again. I could make a microphone out of a number two pencil in the snap of a finger. <laughs> uh, that was that was nothing for me to do. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I constantly listened to the radio when we were driving to family functions or to the grocery store or to uh, uh, a night out with the family going to dinner or to the uh, uh, the uh, department stores at the malls or something like that. I would constantly be listening to the radio, and I would talk. Uh, I would pretend I was the DJ talking over the intro of the song on the radio. And I would do the same thing in the basement of our house. If we had a game on, I had the, uh, the, uh, the sound up, not, you know, blaring, obviously, but enough to where I had some background noise, and I would do the uh, play-by-play uh, off the television down in the basement of my house. Drove my parents absolutely <laughs> batty. My dad would, more than, uh, more than often enough, open the uh, basement door and says, Why are you trying to do that? Dad? We're trying to watch TV up here. Shut up down there, boy. So that was... <laughs> initiated I kind of fell into it my uh, by my own volition and uh, uh, I got started in radio in the summer of my uh, senior year in high school which would have been August 1st 1982 and uh, August 1st of uh, this year will make 38 years for me uh, in the business professionally and that encompasses a public address that encompasses uh, radio encompasses a little bit of television and uh, is it a is it a profession where you get rich quick? No, you can make money in broadcasting, obviously, but you have to know the right people, and you have, it's the right place at the right time type of profession. So as, as long as you understand that going in, uh, you tighten your belt a little bit, you watch your p's and q's, uh, you um, save a little bit when you when you can, and you save a little bit more when you can, and uh, eventually things will. You, you'll be in you, you'll be in the comfort zone, and uh, fortunately for me, you work uh, a, a lot of uh, side jobs uh, uh, here and there with uh, the, the Otterbines and the Ohio States and the Clippers and uh, and this that and the other the the High School Athletic Association, and you can uh, uh, I guess 
develop a reputation. Now, what whether that's good or bad, I'll leave that up to you to judge. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it, it is it's it's a it's a nice way to meet people, make contacts, uh, hobnob, name drop, and uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, proven to be well. All right, we'll go back to Ohio State football now, and I know you're a Columbus guy, born and bred. Is it hard for you not to be a fan when you're doing these games, or, or are you a fan when you're doing these games, or do you try to keep the emotion out of it? I try to keep the emotion out of it. I am a fan, obviously. There, there's no getting away uh, way around that. Uh, you, you can't help but be a fan as, of following the program as I have all the way back to uh, the 10-year war with Woody and, uh, Woody and Bo. Uh, and, and uh, you know all of the all of the great players that Ohio State had back in in, uh, in those days and still have today. So you can't help but be a fan, Dylan. At the same time, you what you have done, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, is you have disciplined yourself to be uh, to focus on the job at hand rather than uh, uh, waving the pom poms and jumping up and down and uh, yelling a team. Uh, you, you have you have a job to do, and it is a job that you are compensated for. Uh, yes, you work for the univer- you, you work for the university in that regard. I'm not a full-time employee. I'm not even a, a part-time employee. But you are paid by the university to do this particular assignment. So therefore, you are as professional and uh, congenial as you possibly can be. And I remember the athletic director at Audubon who gave me the position there back in 1990, Dr. Bud Yost, uh, he gave me a pamphlet. And I don't know if these are even printed anymore. But he gave me a pamphlet, uh, Suggested Guidelines for Public Address Announcers. That was exactly what the title was. And there was about 10 or 12 uh, guidelines in that pamphlet. And the number one guideline, and I, and I still have this pamphlet in, in my notebook to this day, the number one guideline was be fair and impartial. Now, you can, you can maybe sidestep that to some extent. You know, there's a little bit of a gray area there. You can uh, make it sound – you can make it sound like you're being more enthusiastic or, if you will, quote-unquote, air quotes here, rooting for the, the home team. But what you do is you brighten your voice rather than uh, make your voice louder. And, uh, there, and there is a difference in that. You don't necessarily have to be loud to be bright. Uh, so that's, that's the approach that I try to take. Uh, you, you, I'm sure in, in the travels that you've had, you've heard uh, announcers just go off the deep end in trying to swallow the microphone and get as loud as they can and bust about 10 or 20 dozen eardrums in the facility that they're working in on that particular night. Not necessary. Not necessary. Um, be professional. Be congenial. Be enthusiastic. Uh, you know, uh, get the crowd involved. And you get the crowd involved during... Uh, particular activities where it's intended, uh, if, if it's a prize giveaway or if it's a uh, funny promotion or something like that, get the crowd involved. Ham it up with them a little bit. But once the game gets back underway, back underway, there is where you uh, remind yourself, hey, I got a job to do here. And uh, my job is to be as professional and uh, congenial and direct as I possibly can be. You talk about getting people in the crowd involved. So let me ask you this question next here. Is there one moment or are there moments throughout a game at Ohio Stadium that, that you particularly love? You know you're going to say something in the student section or the, the crowd as a whole is going to go crazy. Are there those moments that you look forward to or do you just kind of take it as it comes? 
you take it as it comes. You really do. Uh, uh, sure, there, there. Like for instance, between the uh, third and fourth quarters, the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter, uh, I uh, announced uh, Sloopy with the marching band, and I try to uh, do it differently every week. And yeah, I'll ham it up a little bit because that's that's where you can. The you're between plays. Nobody's uh, doing anything out on the field, so now you get the crowd involved. And, and of course, as as you well know, Dylan. Uh, the the crowd enjoys Sloopy at Ohio State the same as they do uh, at uh, at uh, Wisconsin. With um, I'm drawing a blank. Jump on, around. On, on, uh, jump around. Thank you. Uh, they enjoy that as much at Madison as we do Sloopy here at Ohio State. So something that you get the crowd involved in. Uh, a lot of things uh, these days are more scripted uh, than they were back in the days of uh, Ron and Dave. Uh, where you uh, uh, entice the crowd maybe a little bit more. You uh, played off of the uh, of the block O as far as their uh, card uh, displays are concerned. Now it's more scripted. Uh, you, they have uh, uh, access to information the same as I do uh, and the same as the rest of the staff does that I work with on, on, on game day where they know when to uh, project their uh, uh, card display. Uh, so it, it's uh, a little more uh, streamlined. Uh, than it has been in the past. But at the same time, uh, you can, uh, like with a T-shirt toss, uh, I kind of, again, I like to ham it up a little bit uh, during during that opportunity because it's a way to get the, uh, the crowd involved, uh, get them off their feet, uh, get them waving and yelling and screaming for, for a, a simple T-shirt that uh, may or may not fit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, there, there, there are opportunities to uh, uh, entice, and there are opportunities to uh, uh, lay back a little bit. All right, now let's talk about Ohio State football historically a little bit, because as you mentioned, you're going to be entering your 18th season doing uh, doing the public address at the shoe. So in those previous 17 years, think back for me here. Who do you think, or maybe don't think back so far, but who do you think is the best Ohio State football player that you have ever seen play in person? Oh, boy. Um, wow. I can well let let me try to answer that. My first Ohio State football game was 1971. We, my dad and I saw them play California, and this was the first year that the shoe had turf. And the California football team had a couple of pretty good players themselves: Ray Wershing and Isaac Curtis. Uh, Ray Wershing going on to be a, a, a very good place kicker with the 49ers, and Isaac Curtis going on to be a uh, phenomenal hall, uh, wide receiver with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, then you see the years of Archie, and you see the years of Corny Green, and you see the years of uh, 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 the, 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 the defensive guys uh, that were on that team, Randy Gratishar and uh, Tim Fox and, and all of those cats. And then you come forward a little bit into the uh, uh, later 70s with Arch Leister at quarterback, and, uh, and then and the, the, the list just simply goes on and on and on. <laughs> Uh, Dylan and to to pick one out of all of that, um, I I it, it, it's difficult, but I probably would lean toward Archie uh, for this reason. I had the chance to work with him, uh, as you may or may not know. Archie was an associate athletic director at Ohio State and was in charge of several sports uh, that I worked. A couple of them being women's ice hockey and baseball. Those were two of Archie's sports. And he and I got to uh, know each other uh, somewhat well, and I consider him a friend to this day. We recognize each other when we see each other. We kibitz for a little bit. 
and I'm 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 very proud of that association. So that's probably where I would lean. Not not you know obviously obviously when you've won two Heisman trophies, you stand out above the crowd. All right, let's 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 call a spade a spade here. But when you get the opportunity to know someone on a more intimate, personal, eye-to-eye, face-to-face, one-on-one level, that kind of uh, takes over as far as uh, uh, redeeming social value is concerned. So I would, I would, for, for that reason alone, I'd probably lean toward Arch. All right, now think about some opponents that have come into Ohio Stadium. For me, I think the guy that stands out is Saquon Barkley, not because of what he did in his final game at the Shoe, but what he did in his first game at the Shoe. If you remember that, it was a blackout against Penn State, Ohio State in those black uniforms, and Ohio State won that football game, but he ran all over the Buckeyes. That was a a real coming-out party for Saquon Barkley, I believe his freshman season. So he stands out... He stands out to me as probably the best football player that I've come, that I've seen come into the shoe and take on the Buckeyes. But who do you think that maybe in your time watching Ohio State, working for Ohio State, who stands out to you that has come into the shoe and really I, opened I, your eyes? I'm in complete agreement with you on that one, 1,000%. I remember telling the guys in my booth, uh, because uh, our booth has uh, not only uh, my crew to do, uh, help me with the uh, public address, but also our uh, timing crew, our scoreboard crew. Uh, and I remember telling everybody in that booth that night, and the, these are the words that I used, this kid is a beast. <laughs> he was this that night. He is a beast, and he was that night, and he was throughout his career at Penn State. So I, I, I completely concur with you. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley was, was the deal uh, at uh, Penn State, and uh, when they came back uh, there, uh, what would have been his junior year, uh, for the return visit to uh, Columbus, I was scared to death because I thought, you know, this this defense, uh, are they re- – I, I kind of thought they were a little suspect that year. And I thought, okay, how are they going to keep this kid uh, under wraps? And, yeah, he had a couple of breakout moments during that game, but that, uh, that game their junior year, they learned from their freshman year how to uh, uh, as effectively contain him as possible. But uh, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, Saquon Barkley was uh, probably in in, uh, in modern times. Uh, in, in modern times, I consider uh, the last uh, uh, maybe 15 or 20 years, uh, which is kind of a, a loose uh, interpretation. I, I I fully admit. But uh, uh, in recent times, I'll put it that way. Uh, Saquon Saquon Barkley was was the deal. Well, I'm glad that you brought up his game that that junior season when. Penn State came to the shoe. Ohio State, obviously, a dramatic comeback. They were, what, down 14 points late in that game. They come back and win. A huge, huge win for Ohio State. So my next question for you is, what is your favorite game or maybe the best game that you have witnessed in Ohio Stadium? For me, it is the the double overtime Ohio State-Michigan game a couple of years ago. It, that was one of them. It's not the one that, that stands out to me the most. Uh, and you could also add the uh, Michigan game uh, when uh, Michigan, when Ohio State was number one and Michigan was number two in the country, the year Troy Smith won the Heisman. You could also go back to one of my early games with North Carolina State, which went to triple overtime. And North Carolina State had a kid playing quarterback by the name of Phillip Rivers. <laughs> uh, that game stands out. But the one that does it for me, and, and even the Kent State game that I mentioned earlier, uh, that would probably be in the, those would probably be in the top five, but the one that does it for me is the first game that I worked as the as the man as the PA guy. It was against Washington, uh, night game. 
year after Ohio State won the national championship in 02. So this would have been the start of the 03 season. Uh, Krenzel's senior year. And it was a, a start time of about 8, 8.05, somewhere around in there. Early September. And there is a picture, and I wish I could still find it. it it's out there somewhere, Dylan. It is taken from the southeast corner of the stadium uh, where the team comes out of the tunnel. And it is just at the right time of evening when there is a sunset over the the shoe and there are light bulbs going off from uh, cameras and uh, phones and, and uh, mobile devices and all of that. And the team is coming out and the, the, the band is playing the fight song. And you look at that picture and I think there's even a, a, a picture of it in motion. Uh, but there's at least a still photograph of that. And I look at that every single time and I get chills. Because of how how perfect of an evening that was and how majestic that picture is. And knowing that I was up in that press box about ready to flap my yap for about three and a half hours uh, to about 102,000 people at the time before they expanded the stadium a little bit. And coming off of a national championship season, you got a job to do. You understand? You've got, you've got a reputation to uphold. And uh, so that was something that was probably the most significant of any game that I've worked, and there have been a lot of them. And I gave, I gave you the top five, and that, that one is, is number one. All right, Bob. Well, I really appreciate your time. I've got one last question for you here, and you've made it clear that you've watched Ohio State football for a long time. You've been a part of the program for a long time now, 18 seasons on the way here in 2020. So – in, uh, in more modern times, like you said, you've watched the team, you've worked for the team under Jim Tressel, Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day. I mean, obviously, you've, you've watched this team for so much longer before that under some of the great coaches and program history. But where the team is at right now, how do you think it compares to where it's been in the past? Is it the best that it's ever been? Do you think, you know, Ryan Day has this program in a place that maybe it's never been before? Is they just continue to be a top three power, it seems, every season? Where do you think the program compares now to, to where you've seen it in the past in some of those national title it, years? It's interesting you make that assessment because I was listening to a, a sports talk show the other night. Uh, just in the past few nights, as a matter of fact, and they were using that comparison uh, as well. Uh, how does Ryan Day compare to uh, Urban Meyer, his uh, success at Ohio State? Obviously, the, the chapter of the book is uh, still in its infancy with, with Coach Day, uh, but you see what he has done. You see the potential that he has, even with those three interim games that he did uh, when uh, Coach Meyer was on sabbatical. Uh, and you saw how the team responded to Coach Day, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and now you see what he has done from a recruiting standpoint. His recruiting uh, ability, and it, and it certainly doesn't help, it certainly doesn't hurt to have Kerry Combs back on the staff. If Kerry Combs isn't the biggest cheerleader that Ohio State football has ever had, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, Kerry Combs lives and breathes Ohio State. And he, he, will, he, will, he will go to his grave probably saying he fights the team across the field. That is Kerry Combs, and he is real. Kerry Combs is as genuine and honest, and uh, uh, no, there's, no, there's no fake about Kerry Combs. And that, along with Ryan Day and the, coach, the coaches that he has assembled, when you talk Ohio State football and you see the class that Coach Day has assembled, it is, it is off the charts. Now, what you've got to do is you've got to execute that 
on the field. You've executed it off the field. Now you've got to prove it on the field. You've got to make these four- and five-star kids listen to what they're being taught because a lot of these four- and five-star players, they think they might have the mentality that they know it already. And where, coach, where the challenge comes in for Coach Day is they've got to stress to these kids, hey, you've got a good idea how to play football, but you're not going to get to where we want to be unless you're listening to me. So there's where uh, – there's where the challenge comes in. And the other thing that keeps Ryan Day motivated is Urban Meyer is one up on him as far as winning a national championship at Ohio State. He wants to get there. He may want to win two or three more. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But he's got to win the first one first before he can do that. And is this year the year? We'll see. Uh, is next year the year? We'll see. Is the year after that the year? We'll see. The way that the game is today and how it is uh, severely scrutinized, if you don't win a national championship, regardless of what your win-loss record is, at a lot of these schools, you haven't done your job. And now Ryan Day is faced with the challenge of, okay, Urban's got his, i got to get mine. Very interesting stuff there, Bob. Well, I really, really do appreciate you you coming on and talking with me here. It's been really fun, really interesting. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about your story and how you got that job at Ohio State, but I've loved learning about it. I always love talking to you. You're, you're obviously a very kind of energetic, exciting guy, and, and I think that translated well talking to you here today. So I really, really appreciate it, and here's to hoping that we get college football in 2020. Amen to that, Dylan, and uh, hopefully it would, uh, will be, uh, even if it's a, a reduced season, it is a, a, a season nonetheless. So uh, hopefully September 26th comes around and uh, we'll uh, pass each other in the uh, in the uh, press box at the Horseshoe and uh, uh, be back to uh, our uh, somewhat uh, uh, regular uh, routine again. So thanks again to Bob Kennedy for joining me on this week's edition of Believe in Ohio State. I love talking to Bob. I always love whenever our paths cross it was really, really fun to talk to him this week. I thought he I thought he had a lot of good things to say about Ohio State football. He's obviously a really, really knowledgeable guy when it comes to the Buckeyes. He's watched them for close to 50 years now, went to his first game in 1971. He's seen the Buckeyes from the days of Archie Griffin to, uh, to nowadays. He's seen Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins. He's seen everybody in between. So, Bob Kennedy, a vast, vast knowledge of Ohio State football. I hope you enjoyed hearing from him as much as I did. So many good stories, so many years of experience uh, up there in the press box at Ohio State. Great to talk to him, so thanks again to Bob Kennedy. And with that, we're going to finish things up this week on Believe in Ohio State. As always, I really, really appreciate you guys joining me to talk Ohio State football. I'm really enjoying doing this so far, talking Ohio State football with you. If you have any questions for me, any comments about the show, anything you want to discuss whatsoever, um, anything you want to hear me answer on next week's edition of the show, you can uh, tweet at me, at Dylan Tyre, D-Y-L-A-N-T-Y-R-E-R on Twitter. You can send me an email at DylanTyre at Mac.com, D-Y-L-A-N-T-Y-R-E-R at M-A-C.com. Anything you want to say, any questions you may have, if you just want to talk, please uh, please feel free to message me, email me, do whatever you want. But uh, I just want to say thanks again to Bob Kennedy, and as always, thank you guys for joining me on this week's edition of Believe in Ohio State. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.